My name is Tor Masamuni, the Shredder from the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Jack Doherty. And Jake is working uh, tonight, so he won't be on the show. And our guests had a little bit of an emergency, so they won't be joining us either. So, we're doing an episode like uh, like we did back in the day. Just me and Jack sitting here talking about stuff we love, right? It's going to be fun. That's a retro roundtable. <laughs> All on itself. Remember back in that episode <laughs> when it was just you and me and we did this? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember too. <laughs> So we're going to have fun, uh, starting off with the Retro Roundtable, where we're going to be talking about old Atari games, uh, ones that we played when we had Ataris ourselves, and uh, then I'm going to list some of the games I've just been finding online here that I didn't even know exist. There's a lot uh, of them on my list, too. Oh, yeah, and I, I'm really uh, kind of wanting to play some of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then in the comic dump bin, we're going to be talking about a few books that uh, each of us brought, and then we're going to be talking about the books from Medeus Comics. We were supposed to be joined today by writer and award-winning letter Robin Jones of Medeus Comics, and uh, we're just going to talk a few titles from uh, the comic, what, would you, what was it, uh, comic company, the comic... Uh, publishing company. Publishing company, thank you. Since he couldn't join us, we're still going to talk about him, because there's some good stuff there, and uh, hopefully you like it too. Then we're going to end the episode playing Versus. I don't know if uh, any of our listeners remember the first time we played it, but we have a chart full of different uh, heroes and villains from across comic, TV, movie, video game, pop culture, and we're going to roll dice over the board. And whatever two characters the dice land on, we're going to have a conversation about if they were to battle, who would win. Pit them against each other. Oh, yeah. That was like 10 episodes ago, I think. Was it that long ago? It is pretty, pretty far back. Oh man, this is going to be fun. I can't wait. So, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. And away we go! I'll be back. Shut up! Alright, Atari games. My first Atari, I got as a hand-me-down, believe it or not, from my best friend who lived down the street who had just got the Nintendo. So by the time I received the Atari, it was kind of old Way news. Out of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, I had a lot of fun with it. And I, I don't know, he gave it to me with about, uh, I don't know, 15 games or so. So I had a pretty good catalog to play from. And it was a lot of the greats. Talking Frogger, Centipede, mm. Space Invaders, uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial, That's come on. the best. The best. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the, from the minute I had it, I definitely had fun with it, but I was still thinking, man, it's not a Nintendo, you know. <laughs> but we'll start with you. What kind of games do you remember? One that we, well, we were trying to get the creator on a while ago. Oh, uh, Yars Revenge. Howard Scott. Yeah. Uh, Warshaw, yeah. They had the comic with it. That would have been cool. That I never played that so one. Cool. But it was just like, well, I guess most Atari games were the same thing over and over, just got harder. Right. But it was, it was... It was a game that, uh, if I remember correctly, I mean, essentially it's the same mechanics through the whole game, but the way it's laid out kind of tells a story. I mean, especially if you yeah. play it along with the comic book, you're actually getting some kind of a story rather than just mindless shooting, shooting, shooting. Right. You know? yeah, you're just like this moth guy trying to shoot a force field down into this main weapon in the middle, and every once in a while the weapon will fire up and shoot at you. But it was fun. It was fun. It was so cool. I kind of want to play that now. I wonder if that's one of those... Have you seen the... I'm sure you have. The uh, consoles you can buy for $50 that have hundreds mm-hmm. of Atari games on them. I've got one of them. Oh, do I, you? I, I'm pretty sure that's not on there, though. I think that was one yeah. one setback. That probably none of the third-party games are probably on there just because of trying to get rights and stuff. It's probably just all the original Atari yeah. titles, I would imagine. But... Um, we almost bought one today. I had it in my hands. I was like, man, this would be fun. I didn't know the the controllers were wireless, though. Mine aren't. This one had wireless controllers. Man, they stepped it up a notch within oh, the last not what, three around. years since I've gotten mine. Yeah, well, they've had that and the Sega one out for a while, and it was just this year that the Nintendos came out. Yeah, that good luck getting. Yeah, exactly. It's gone everywhere. <laughs> and I, I looked on eBay, and they're going anywhere 600 to to $1,000. I don't 
think other than the nostalgia part of it, it's really worth it, especially since you've got one already. So yeah, I mean that's true. I've I've got a I don't have an original one that still works. I bought one of those like Retron two or Retron three mm-hmm. consoles that plays three different uh, you know old Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, just the two it plays. But uh, I still don't have a lot of those cool games. That thing comes with a lot of the original, like Metroid. I think might have uh, Legend of Zelda, Zelda stuff on there. Yeah, and I don't punch have those out. games. Oh, yeah, Mike Tyson Punch-Out. <laughs> good old Joe Glass. Man, some good games right there. What else you remember? Breakout. I don't remember that one. What was that? Uh, there was a guy in the old black and white striped jail suit okay. across the top, and he would drop bombs. And you had to bounce the bombs on back up to, uh, like, uh, there was a shield that would slowly break away until I think you got the bomb back to him, I think it was. Really? But it was a paddle game. It just, you slid back and forth. That'd be fun. It was, yeah, it was fun. It started getting hard because they dropped faster and faster. I kind of remember that. Uh, Were you kind of, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of a game, I think you were like a firefighter trying to bounce big, like, balloons of water onto a fire. So they'd come in from the right... You have two guys with like a trampoline you're holding that you move back and forth and then bounce it. What was that called? Do you remember? Is it Firefighter? (laughs) On Atari, probably. What's in this list I got here? On Atari, probably. (laughs) All the names were pretty simplistic. While you're looking for that, one game that uh, I remember is Pitfall. Do you you remember that one? Oh, God, yeah. That was a fun game, and I was excited when the Super Nintendo was out because. Um, I was looking through... I bought a lot of games from, like, the reject dump bin. Like, the games that didn't make it for $60, so now they're going for 20 That's how I ended up with the uh, Superman 64, mind you. But um, anyway, there was a pitfall for Super Nintendo, and I got it and brought it home. And... Was that... I don't know, I'm thinking Super Nintendo. I'm thinking of 3D, because I think they did a 3D one for, like, PlayStation 1 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they made yeah. some more after that. I never played them, but this was, as far as I know, the first comeback. There may have been a Nintendo one, but... Uh, it had like the same mechanics as like the Super Nintendo Aladdin game, so it, it was visually pleasing to the eye. It was a lot of fun, but what was cool about that game, certain parts in the jungle, you'd fall through holes, like fall into these pits, mm-hmm. and it would zap you into the old Atari game. So you'd have to play through an Atari game that, yeah. level to get back to the yeah. modern game. It was really cool. <clears throat> was there, I guess there there was an end, because I remember playing it on, maybe it was Commodore or something like that. I never, I've never played a Commodore. That... After a while, you'd be running up a like a a hill, and there'd be barrels or something coming down. There was like some tiki god or something up there that you had to get to. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that was the end. I never got there though. Huh? Man, it's Jumping funny how those game games stick heads. with you. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to wait till their mouths shut. <laughs> <laughs> when you're swinging on the vines. Oh, that was so much fun. That was an action-packed game back then. For Atari, hell yeah, it was. Yeah. And on this list I'm looking at, it says there was a second one. I don't remember that at all. Mm-mm. Maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the second one, I'm thinking, if you're running up the hill. What about uh, Missile Command? I never played that one. That one was pretty cool. There'd be just these white lines coming from the top, and you just had to move your little cursor underneath it. Oh, and shoot, 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 shoot and him. Yes, I did have that game. Apparently I did have that game. They're coming out with a movie. Or they're going to try and make a movie, I've, I've heard. Well, if they can make a movie out of Battleship, why the hell not, right? It's going to be probably about as good as Battleship, too. <laughs> I can't believe Liam Neeson would sign up to do that. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a good hit. Let's do it. Um, what else? Centipede, man. That was, a, that was I mean, kind of uh, cliche to say, but I played that one as much as I played Frogger. That was not another paddle game, wasn't it? You just had to slide back and forth? Or? Sliding back and yeah. forth, shooting up at the centipede, making it smaller and smaller before it reached That's the right. bottom. And, I mean, same, Space Invaders was the same way. You have yeah. to shoot all the ships before they get to the bottom. But uh, both fun, fun games. That was nerve-wracking for uh, Space Invaders. Oh, yeah, The sounds would get faster and faster. And when your little barriers would start chipping completely away (laughs) and you didn't have any more cover to hide behind, that was fun. You thought you were slick shooting through the barrier. Oh, yeah. But then the one would come right down that little spot. Well, if I don't move, I just stay right here and shoot straight up. They all have to go through my line of fire eventually, (laughs) right? Good old Pac-Man. That was fun, but it was nothing like the arcade because it was... was was The map was wide. And Pac-Man would only face one direction, except when he ate a ghost, then he would turn around backwards, I remember. Really? Yeah, it wasn't... It was Pac-Man, but it wasn't, like, the arcade Pac-Man. Right, it wasn't... Well, nothing was ever as cool as the arcade. No. Like, when they put the Turtles uh, Turtles 2 arcade game out. Yeah. <laughs> Not even close. They mm-hmm. got it with the Turtles in Time, though. Yeah. That was a good game. What about Combat? 
I don't remember that one. That was a, a menagerie of different games. You could fight each other with tanks, airplanes, fighter jets. What else was there? I think that was about it. Uh-uh. You'd have, like, three jets that you'd control back and forth, and you'd just constantly fly and crisscross motions across the screen against each other. Really? Tanks, it was just a map where you'd get around each other and shoot. Right. That was fun. That's on the uh, the retro one, like 80 games in it. Is it? Yeah. So it's, it's an actual, like, Atari title then? Yeah. Probably. I can't think of any other ones, really. I mean, I had a lot of games, but I can only think of a few I played, being all the, the very cliche ones. Well, E.T., of course. But uh, there's not much to say about that. I, I remember having baseball and um, football, maybe. But baseball was as simplistic as it was. Like, still the, the thrill of hitting that ball, like, into a home run. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to explain. As simple and as stupid as the graphics looked, you still got a thrill from nailing that ball. The way the people moved was, in fact, you remember, was still pretty cool, even though it was still pretty big pixels. It actually looked like a figure running. I yeah, I mean, you know, the way they... Like the side profile, two dimensional, like his legs just yeah. scissoring as he like yeah, it looked drags across the uh, diamond. It got yeah. the idea across, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Star Wars games, I forgot about those. Now that was kind of like a uh, wasn't that the wireframe X-wing, uh, or maybe no, you just had a crosshair on the screen. I don't remember for Atari. Mm, I don't remember. I just, I mean, it was that Death Star. I'm thinking of an Empire Strikes Back one, but I think it was Nintendo where you had to fight in Hoth against the the walkers. It's hard to say. About any <clears throat> Star Wars game that comes out, there's a version of something <laughs> where you have to do that. What about Dig Dug? I never played Dig Dug, I don't think. I don't know if that was on. This list I have, some of the names are, I think it was made by Atari later on, but it wasn't actually on the Atari, even though the list says 2,600 games. Yeah, I think like Dig Dug and Qbert and games like that... Uh, got remade for the Nintendo. And a game that I could have sworn I had played <clears throat> on Atari was uh, Burger Time. Do you remember that game? Mm-hmm. That, that was, was on, yeah, that was on Atari. I'm, was it? I know they had I'm it on Super Nintendo, but I feel like that was an Atari game to start. Yeah, you had to build each burger. Yeah, and, and then you had, like, sausages and eggs and shit attacking you. Salt and, and pepper. Yeah. You had the salt and pepper of the bad guys or yes, something. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun game. What, uh, Tapper? No. I don't know if that one was Atari. I think it was, too. But it was just a bunch of bars, like drinking bars, and you were, what was it? The guys would come up to the, the bar to get a beer, and you'd be at the other side, and you would tap a beer, slide it down the bar, and they would catch it. Yeah, and you had to keep jumping up and down between the bars. Yeah, yeah. and if they left yes. or something like that, it would crash, and that'd be game over. You'd lose your life. Are you sure it was called Tapper, though? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I know it was Tapper. They have that at the, uh, at the uh, arcade, the downtown i forget what it's called 16-bit bar and grill i know there's one that looked like a beer tap that you would yeah yeah and yeah and that's what it, uh, you jump up and down between bars mm-hmm. serving everybody before you the or you get to do something before the beers fall off the end of the bar or something i don't remember but it was that was a lot of fun i yeah. played the hell out of that game <laughs> there was also joust if you remember that Mm-mm. one we were riding the knights on the ostriches that you'd ride back and forth and you had to you'd basically joust them off and knock them back and forth. No, I don't remember that one. That I didn't one play fun. that one. You'd have to hit the... hit. There was a one-button game and a joystick, and you had to constantly keep hitting the button to get the birds to flap their wings. So you just kind of hit a couple times, and you'd float, but you'd so slowly sink, and then you'd have to hit the buttons again and to get a little bit more airborne. Uh-uh. So you had to get above the other guy to be able to knock them off. There was lava at the bottom, and it would slowly rise up, so it got a little bit harder and harder. <laughs> <laughs> you know how medieval knights used to joust over lava, right? On ostriches. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Monty Python. All right, here are some games I didn't even know existed. Did you know there was a double dragon for Atari? No. It's showing here on this list. I had no idea. No idea. What else here? Um, Masters of the Universe. Oh, the power of He-Man. I can imagine that was a... If, if we're not hearing about it by this point, it had to be a stinker, right? <laughs> there was a Popeye game. I didn't know that either. Moon Patrol. I think I remember that one. It was just like a six-wheeled car that would drive around. and That does bounce. sound familiar. You'd bounce around on the, the Martian Night Driver. I remember that one. That was a 3D-esque game that you used the paddles on. That it was just a, like a static silhouette of a car. You'd be driving, you'd be at the face of the back of the car, and you'd be driving, and there'd just be blocks coming towards you. Mm-hmm. That was the road that you basically had to maneuver in. Really? It was like the first driving game. There was a Kool-Aid Man game, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, the Super Mario Brothers. I forgot there was a version of Super Mario Brothers for the Atari. Mm, yeah. No, I think it was in Super Mario Brothers 3. I don't know if it was the original one or the all-star version, but you could... Uh, Play the you could play the original yeah, with updated that. graphics, and I think there's still like current Mario games where you can do that, or games that have come out within the last ten years. But that was so much fun. As simple as it was, like I would sit there with my sister or whoever and play for hours, bouncing the turtles and the goombas yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, just trying to kill each other. You get to the ice level, which is hell. Oh yeah, just sliding <laughs> all over the damn place. You'd screw your buddy by jumping underneath <clears throat> them and bouncing them around too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, mentioning Mario Brothers, had to mention Donkey Kong, too. That's another oh, yeah. one. I never was good at that game, though. Those barrels, you had to time it just right to jump over them successfully. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, and I could never get that timing down. Speaking of that, the party we were at last night, my wife's work party, the guy that was hosting it, we were talking about video games, and he said he didn't have a heart, an Atari. He had an Odyssey, which is like the Kmart version, uh, the cheaper version of Atari. Really? And he said they had a lot of the same games. They were just named different. And uh, Donkey Kong was called Pikman. What? Because yeah, uh, Pikman or something like that. Because you know when you get the hammer and you just yeah you can run around and hit all the barrels. I don't remember some of the other names. They were pretty funny. I'm gonna look this thing up really quick. All right, I just found some pictures of it here. Which one? The Magnavox Odyssey. That's what Magnavox. That's right. <laughs> Nowadays, we know better than to trust a game console from Magnavox. <laughs> I don't even think we ever got TVs from them, trusted them. Oh, this definitely looks like a Kenny McCormick game system. <laughs> I've never seen this thing, though. I don't think I have. I I remember the name, but I I didn't know anyone that had it. There's one Atari game that I found here called Basic Math. Oh, boy, the fun never stops fun there, right? numbers. <laughs> Okay, so I found a, a commercial for the Magnavox Odyssey on YouTube here. I'm going to play the audio for you guys at home really quick. Magnavox presents Odyssey, the electronic game of the future. Odyssey easily attaches to any brand TV, black and white or color, to create a closed-circuit electronic playground. Odyssey gives you all the exciting action of hockey and 11 other challenging play and learning games for the entire family. Odyssey, a new dimension for your television. Now at your Magnavox dealer. He's listed in the yellow pages. Okay, so pretty much riveting. Yeah, wasn't it? Though? So exciting, man. It was... it's, it's how you have a good time in uh, 1973, <laughs> apparently. But no, I kind of remember this, I think, from the Angry Video Game Nerd, because this actually looks like it uses the same Pong mechanic in every game, just the back and forth dot. You just put uh, like an overlay on your TV screen. Yeah, and then like uh, like they're like we have pong, hockey, soccer, tennis, <laughs> <laughs> ping pong. It changes the whole aspect of the game. Uh, but uh, you know what? Still, as I I remember us saying how uh, Doom. You know, now it's like not at the least bit scary at all. But the yeah. day it was, you know, this was probably just as uh, in, as thrilling as playing a game of tennis could be on your <laughs> on your TV in the day. There's Empire Strikes Back for Atari. Oh, boy, I don't remember that. I vaguely, I think I played it once, maybe. I don't know if I actually owned any of the Star Wars games for Atari, but wow, how far we've come, right? Well, I don't know how much more Atari I can keep talking on. <laughs> it makes me want but, to go plug in my uh, my retro setup there. I know, I'm kind of regretting not it. buying that one today. I wish I would have, but um, there's still time. There was a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bunch of them. But before we wrap up, let's jump a little bit forward into uh, the future of video games, or I guess now the present. I'll talk about this VR thing you got a little bit. You were talking about uh, you got Batman, right? Yeah. Yeah, reading the reviews, a lot of people are naysaying it and watching videos of it. it you can't, any of the VR stuff, you can't go by what the video looks like on, on, T, on that you look on like YouTube and stuff because it's so totally different right. being inside it. What about I? What I'm super curious about is the fighting mechanism. I mean, I understand the sleuthing and like investigative stuff, but are you fighting? Is there any fighting that you know? No, do? there's no fighting. It's all like just detective work. Detective work and puzzles, basically. I guess. Really? Yeah. That's that's the one thing that kind of threw me off. I didn't really want it when I first saw it because basically you look when you look around, there'll be like a cursor, and you just look at it, click, and you zoom to that position. But there's one part you're walking through like a sewer tunnel and you're constantly going through. And there's stuff that you can interact with. 
Really? But there's it's a lot of puzzles and figuring stuff out. It's not long at all. I think it's it's about an hour and you're done. Really? Yeah, I was kind of Yeah. Well, you can it, when you finish it and unlocks a bunch of Riddler stuff, just like all the other Arkham games. So it, that's the same style it is it's yeah. in as the Arkham. It's game. from yeah the same because you run into the the Penguin and the Joker. Really? And the Penguin's the same like Cockney British guy, little chubby guy running around. Right, right. But I can't believe it. So are there like fighting cutscenes or anything, no. or you just there's no not even when you jump into the Batwing or the Batmobile, it just fades to black. You hear some sound effects and then you're there. Really? But the the game is. After I got done with it, I looked it up a little bit, and a lot of people are saying that the game is takes place after Arkham City and before Arkham Knight, and it's mainly a dream sequence because Batman's blood's still tainted with the Joker virus. Oh, right. From the okay. Game. Right. Because there's one point when you're in the bat, the bat Cave that you do a test of your blood and scan it, and it comes up as positive with the virus still. So it's it's almost like a dream. And Arkham Knight, uh, that's I just got that one. That's why I've been playing, and he still has it in him. Does he? Yeah, yeah. So this the whole thing is a, like crazy dream sequence. Huh. And I was there's a couple parts that I was shit my pants scared. Why that? Times. Well, I'm gonna start from the beginning. You can do Batman's origin. Go figure. He can go see his are parents you, killed. Are you serious? Yeah. It starts off, and it really makes you think more in terms of Batman. Just how why he he is what he is, I guess, because the perspective you're in, you're Bruce Wayne, little Bruce Wayne, in the alley with his parents. You're only waist high to his parents, so you feel really feel really small. small. And Joe Chill comes up and shoots him, and then he comes over, points the gun at you, and he gets in your face. And I had to step back or try to step back, move back, and you couldn't because he was so up in your face, and it really kind of makes you scared. Really. And then you you wake up and you're in the mansion. And then you take an elevator down into the the bat cave, and right. you put on your suit. And it's when, when I put the suit on, I felt like Batman. <laughs> it's nuts because you're standing there. His suit comes up from a like a, a big a contraption comes up with the suit. You reach up, you grab the emblem on your on its chest, put it on yours. Then you're in his suit. Um, another contraption comes up that you get the bat gauntlet. So all of a sudden your hands look like Batman's gloves. And then the cowl comes up. You put the cowl, pick it up, you put it on your head. Hmm. And after that, there's a mirror. And you stand there and move your arms. And every movement you do is, is there. Yeah, so you, I don't know, you feel like Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. His bat grapple comes out. You grab it. You put it on your waist. Then his forensic scanner, you put that on your waist. And then uh, battering comes, you pick that up put that on your belt so when you're running you want to grab the battering you reach to your belt grab it and throw it no kidding yeah it's insane wow but later on when you're going through the sewers you come up to a cage that has tim drake robin captured into it oh really you end up getting caught into a cage right next to him and then there's a big puzzle sequence you got to figure out meanwhile we hear the joker cackling around talking making fun of you and tim and you see stuff moving in the water. All of a sudden, uh, Killer Croc comes jumping up. And then there's a something with the puzzle, you end up making the, the cage electric you to, Oh, really? He falls into the water. But one part, you have to get this gear to make the cage lift up. Shot my back grapple into the water to get the gear. Pull it back to me. Killer Croc comes right up next to me. I about fell on the floor because you got to hit the button to shock him again. But it... It felt like he was there. Oh, God, yeah. It's scary. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, boom! <laughs> Swinging in your hands. The movement's almost perfect, so you see that my hand trying to hit that button. Yeah, what just wasn't? Uh, I, yeah, I hit got him it. and it shocked him back down. <laughs> and then later on, you end up in Arkham. You come up to three cells where it has a, a little window that you slide a metal plate down. And you walk up, slide it down, you see what's his scar-faced little dummy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, Ventriloquist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's sitting in there. And you can get up close to the door, but <laughs> just look at that thing sitting in there. I was I was scared. I didn't want to look in there. Really? So I closed it, moved to the one to the left, opened that one. You see Zaz. He's facing, his back's facing you, and he's just sitting there kind of talking to himself, muttering. And then I went back, thought I had the balls to look at Scarface again, but opened it up, and he was moved a little bit. 
and I, I couldn't get close enough to look because I felt like something was going to jump out at me. And then I went up to the third one, and it's the Joker sitting right there, and he's talking to you, and he's like, come on closer. And really? I moved up closer, and I'm just like, uh. Did he do anything? Did he? No, he's all of a sudden, he's like, a little tight-fitting in here, isn't it? You turn around, and you're in a cell. Oh, really? And then you're, a whole bunch of crazy stuff starts happening, and then, yeah, it's... It, it screws with your mind. It's crazy. In the uh, in the Arkham Knight, Joker's in your in your head. Like he's dead, but he's like in you now. Like so, like you'll be just yeah. doing a mission and you'll turn and he's standing there just talking to you. See, that'll make so much more sense when I play Arkham Knight because I think that yeah. plays right into that. Yeah, because you're looking in the mirror. All of a sudden, you're like an evil-looking Batman, and then as you're turning around, stuff keeps changing in the, the cell. And then when you turn around the last time, it's the Joker in the mirror. Really? Yeah, it's nuts, and then it fades out. That's pretty cool. It was fun. So it, it, where it lacks in fighting, it makes up for with other features? Yeah. Yep. I'll have to try it sometime. It sounds fun. I, I can't get myself to play any of the horror games. <laughs> Come I on, you got to do it. <sighs> I'm trying to build up, but playing that game, as immersive as it is, I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah. It puts you in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that'll be cool. You have to let me know when you do. I'll have to bring it over. Yeah, that'd be fun. Was it a lot of setup? No, not. It's a lot of chords, but it's easy setup. Yeah, yeah. We should do that VR night. Yeah. Watch me throw the hell up all over my living room. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's take a dive into the comic dump bin. I think uh, I'll just go first this week. Okay. What I'm talking about this week is issue two of a comic I think we've mentioned on the show before. Oh, I know we've mentioned on the show before. Maybe you talked about the first issue, Judas Breed. Yes. It's been some time ago, but uh, it's done by Kenneth Brown, uh, Ryan Best, and HDE. Uh, this was a lot of fun to read, the first issue, and to get issue two was even more exciting. Uh, in a n- quick nutshell, though, the premise of this story is there's a uh, there's a NASA team on an unknown planet they've discovered. They've landed, and they, they fall down into this pit where they find a bunch of uh, skeletons of people some people they don't know who they are Mm -hmm. but they have like this uh a parasitic like bug looking thing on the top of their spines which looks to be fossilized so they take it bring it on the ship and they're headed back to earth with it for uh investigative purposes to research it well then this thing comes to life and attacks one of the people uh on the ship uh linda or maybe she was attacked outside the ship i don't remember from that that first issue i think she was just starting to look at it, and it, it came they got alive. Her. Yeah, right. They got her. And that's where it ended, I think. Right, and that's where issue two picks up. They get her on the ship, and she's got this, again, it's like a, well, how would you describe the look of it? Like a like a cockroach-looking thing with a big needle that looks like it goes into the back of your... Like, like a roly-poly. Kind of, yeah, but with a big, <laughs> vicious, like, spike needle thing, spike yeah, thing yeah. on it. Yeah, and it looks, it attaches to your, it's a symbiote mm-hmm. uh, kind of parasite. It attaches to your the top back of your spine and puts a needle into like your the bottom part of your brain like like what was that your cerebellum there or? yeah yeah and uh, takes control begins to take control and uh, so yeah this bug is latched to this uh, woman by the name of Linda I don't know if she's just a she's just one of the astronauts and everyone's desperately trying to you know call for help call for help get someone here as quick as they can because their onboard doctor it isn't uh, exactly. Well, no one's versed in what this thing is. No one knows what it is, so they don't know exactly what to do, and he's a bit apprehensive because he doesn't want to kill her. So you see uh, this thing just transforming her, her skin ripping, uh, her eyes turning black. You see this, like, almost this, like, flower-looking thing come out of her mouth. It's not really a flower, but it's like a tentacle-looking thing that, like, opens up like a flower with all these little teeth and stuff on its mouth. So she's turning into whatever this thing is, but occasionally breaking to say, help me, help me, you know. So this big ship arrives, which they finally think is going to be, like, medics and stuff like that there to help, and it's the government. And they immediately want to put Linda on ice. Well, no, they already, the crew had already put her on ice too, because they couldn't get under control what was happening with her. So they put her on ice, you know, they cryogenically froze her to get her back to Earth, then further uh, try to help her. But the government comes in and says, okay, you know, she's now property of the United States government. So they want to weaponize it type thing. They haven't really made clear what they're going to mm. do, but their intention isn't to save her. Right. They they say they've had the experience with this parasite in the past, but all tests have failed and they they want the to continue the bonding process 
with this parasite onto Linda. So mm. it ends with the government just kind of coming in, taking over. They end up killing the rest of the crew who said they're going to go to the press and stuff with it. Oh, my. Yeah, like poisoned some donuts and coffee, like choked them out, killed them to keep them quiet. Snuffed yeah, them so out. There's some, there's, some, uh, there's mischief afoot. Yeah, I guess. But it's it's such a good book. It's uh, well written. Art's gorgeous. Uh, I'd strongly recommend checking it out. And I'm sure we'll have uh, links on the website and uh, yeah. be blasting that on Twitter. So check it out, Judas Breed. I check that out. I haven't read that. We've had that for a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think issue three is either out or about to be out. So uh, something to keep an eye out for there. But yeah, Judas Breed transformation. Nice. All right, Jack. What do you got? Mine is a web comic called Rising Sand. And if you go to risingsand.glass, you'll be able to see some of this artwork. It's insanely good there to the point go. where I can't believe it's a comic. Really? Yeah, I, it looks like it's screenshots taken from a, like an animation. But it's uh, pencils, designed pencil and inks by Jen Lee, uh, writing design inks, colors and letters by Ty Dunitz. Say that again, rising... Um, risingsand.glass. So those strange e- or website addresses. How but, do these people get these uh, customized? Know. It's a pretty new comic. It's been around since March. Uh, so far, it's about 32 pages. It's about four pages a month going up. Okay. Um, really takes... It, it's been setting up the characters and just maybe the lore and the world itself. But uh, it takes place in a world called Urge, E-R-J. And it's rumored that the sun is falling and will wipe out all existence. But it's the story opens up with this little girl. She's a, a peg-legged thief, kind of an elfish-looking um, named Doll. She's getting chased for stealing. In this world, currency is called glass, and it gets refined and turned into weapons. It's pretty much the main money that they have in this world. And she has stolen some and is getting chased by these guys in a, through like a, a bazaar-type area where she runs into Queb her sidekick, which is like this big gray golem looking dude. He's got these huge discs around his wrist. I'm seeing him right now, yeah. He's crazy looking. He's pretty much a... She's his friend slash bodyguard. He's like a a priest or monk type character. He hoards glass and gold, and it's supposed to help in his spiritual fulfillment, I guess. Huh. They're pretty deep characters. Um, they head home after a while, and while they're talking, you get to find out a little bit more about them together, where they've been, and what they've done. Oh, then it cuts to this body that's been severely pulverized and beaten, and you see this giant armored figure walking away, and this is Ro, Dal's sister. And she is part of this Astral Templar religious corps, and her and her friend Zir are escorting a caravan with goods back to the city. And I guess these are there are a bunch of assassins that attacked them, and they pretty much beat the piss out of them. She's known for going too far with her killing, <laughs> and it's I guess it's known with like the higher ups of the the order. And it cuts back to Dal's house, and she comes home with some a new stolen prize to give to Queb, and finds out that he's going back to his people to do his spiritual fulfillment thing. Hmm. And she gets all upset. They've been friends for like five years hanging out. So she decides she's going to tag along with them as they're getting ready to leave the city. It's the same time that Ro and her companion are getting the goods to the city that they're delivering. They're escorting. She sees these names are crazy. (laughs) She sees Dal across the city leaving and she decides she's going to go find her because apparently she thought Dal has is dead. And it's did I say it was her sister? Uh, I don't think you did. Okay, yeah, Dal and Ro are sisters. There's a flashback later on in the comic that shows how that they didn't, how they interacted, and that they're not the best of siblings. But apparently, at some point in time, Dal was thought to be dead, and she saw her across the road. So she's going to catch her, and that's pretty much where it ends off. It I... ends with Dal and Queb leaving the city to head out on their their big adventure. I see what you uh, mean with this uh, this golem looking fellow in the great big discs in yeah. his ears there. But That's the artwork cool. is insanely good. And it's under each page, there's a description that gives a little bit more into the lore and the world. So you understand a little bit more about what's going on or. Oh, that's nice. What What is happening. So you can just jump right in without having to go all the way back if yeah. you wanted to. Right. Yeah. 
but it's really good i'm i'm sold on it I'm, i've got it on my favorites at home so i can't wait for the next page to come up this uh i see what you mean about the animation it's definitely like uh you know how you see much better animation in the movies than you do on television yes. it's like movie animation mm-hmm. style like it reminds me almost of uh, Treasure Island a little bit. I think that was like a 3D animation, but like... A t- Attack on Titan, I think, is done by the... Uh, same people. Same, yeah, it's got a little bit of 3D animation in it, but it's real fluid cartoon animation. I don't know. It is gorgeous. That and just the uh, the shot layouts in each of these panels yeah. is really cool, too. Awesome. It was really good, though. RisingSand.Glass. We'll have links up for that as well. All right, before we end the comic dump bin, we are going to just touch on some of the comics we were going to be talking about with our guest we were supposed to have this evening. Uh, Again, writer and award-winning letter Robin Jones uh, talk about some comics on the uh, Medeas Comics publishing label. And you can check them out at medeascomics.bigcartel.com and uh, on Twitter at Medeas Comics. That's M-A-D-I-U-S. So, uh, yeah, well, again, we'll have links up to go over there and we'll be boosting on Twitter. But I, we thought we'd still just talk about a few comics that we had uh, checked out on the website and uh, some stuff that Robin had sent us. So, Jack, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, most of them seem like they were multiple stories in one book. Right. Featuring a bunch of different artists, you know, all doing their thing. Yep. I love books like that. Uh, the one I read was from, it was a preview, I guess, from one of their books called uh, Welcome to the Land of Horror which is a, an odd spelling, H-O-R-R-E-R-E. And the, the story that I that really caught me was uh, if you if you go down to the woods today, and the art by art is by Neil Ford, uh, words by Rob Jones and Michael Sandbrook. But it starts out in uh, Wyoming. Uh, there's not a lot of not a lot of there is detail, but it's black and white, and it's heavy, just black and white, not a lot of shading. It takes place in Wyoming, USA. Uh, there's a little kid that gets woken up in the middle of the night, and he there's a lot of you know real heavy shadowing because it's night, of course. Right, right, right. It's in Wyoming where there's nothing in Wyoming. Uh, I think Garfield said on the Garfield and Friends show that Wyoming means nothing. That's what <laughs> they did. <laughs> but uh, he wakes up and grabs his teddy bear, which he talks to. His name's Harry. Um, he's like, oh, what what was that noise? Let's go out to the garden and see what it was. And they go look out the window, don't see anything. So he goes outside and walks across this big field trying to find out what it is. Meanwhile, he's talking to Harry, sitting there, you know, come on, let's go, what could it be? He gets way out in the middle of this field, and he sees this couple of eyes in the darkness. It walks up, and it's a big uh, Yeti or Sasquatch, whichever you want to call. Um, He drops, you know, he's looking kind of scared. He drops his bear, puts up his hand, touches the Yeti's face, and the Yeti reaches up and grabs the kid's hand. Next thing you know, the kid kind of grins, picks up his bear, reaches it to hand to the Yeti. And the Yeti gets kind of sedate looking. All of a sudden, the next panel just shows a bullet, bullet going through the cheek and out the eye of the Yeti. Oh. <laughs> the eyeball falling out. And it's the kid. He just pulled out a revolver and just shot the hell out of this thing. Next the thing kid you know, did? Yeah. Yeah, it threw me for a huge loop. I was like, what the <laughs> hell just happened? <laughs> Then all of a sudden, a guy comes running out. You know, what the hell was that noise? And the little kid's like, Dad, Dad, I got it. I got it. All that gun, that practice at the range helped. And Dad's like, what do you want, a medal? He's, <laughs> he's like, well, I guess we could do something with this fur, make a rug out of it or something. And the last panel shows the the dad and I guess the mom. It looks like she's wearing a Punisher shirt. Oh, my God. And the little kid. And it looks like he's holding some bullets. Yeah, he's holding a bunch of bullets. So there's an ammo box next to him sitting on this big Yeti rug. With the Yeti's head mounted on the wall behind it. You know what this makes me think of? Um, one of the first episodes of South Park, the scuzzlebug oh, with yeah. the leg of Patrick Duffy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, as soon as they had bonded with it, Stan blew its brains out. <laughs> but yeah, this whole thing, it was it was really intense the whole time because you don't know what's going on. But then all of a sudden, they're face to face. Looks like he's making a friend. Then bam! Right. It's over and it just totally changes. Man, yeah, something I wouldn't see coming. No. <laughs> Good twist there. Good twist. Um, the one I'm going to be talking about is one called By Eck on Earth, and it's written by Robin Jones and drawn by Kevin Pospix. But this was a lot of fun, and it's only like three pages. It was a submission into the Paper Cuts and Ink Stains uh, comic, which is a series that has a bunch of mini comics in done by a bunch of different writers and artists. A lot of fun, but this one starts with uh, kind of like an American beauty sense where, you know, you're hearing Kevin Spacey narrate through parts of it, but, yeah. he's, but he's dead. 
And the uh, same kind of thing, saying, you know, I remember when this street, uh, you know, was a clean street. We didn't have this and that. And you see, he just, you just start seeing scenes of zombies lining these streets. He's talking about using, having been clean at one point. And they're just feasting on each other, just tearing each other apart. And it's the zombie, you're seeing the zombie of the guy who's talking. So he's dead, he's walking, mm. but he's not narrating. It's his past dead self narrating. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So... He's like talking about, I remember, uh, you know, when this first came on, kind of like any zombie movie, there's always like some kind of like a creepy first time your main star sees a zombie, right. like in uh, Zombieland or with that girl in the bathroom. Remember her? Did you ever see Zombieland? Yes. I'm the, trying to remember. The girl that lived in his apartment building that oh, came yeah, over yeah, saying yeah. help. That's and he, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also at the beginning of like Day of the Dead, I think, or Dawn of the Dead, there was that little girl. The little was, girl. Yeah. Oh, dang. Very similar to that. You see this guy by the name of Harold trimming, you know, flowers or something outside in his yard, and he sees his neighbor Frank coming over. He goes, "Hey, Frank, what's up?" I'm like, "Jesus, what's wrong with you? Look at you. You look horrible." Frank comes up and just starts attacking him, biting him, and he gets a uh, bite in on his arm. Bites his arm there, and I don't know where the toothbrush comes from, but he has a toothbrush that he ends up jamming into Frank the zombie's eye and killing him. And he falls to the ground. Well, uh, Harold's wife then comes out because, what was that? What, what's going on out there, Harold? Because uh, something happened. I don't know what's going on, but Frank just went crazy. And she rushes out to him, sees he's bleeding. And about the time she gets there, he falls over dead. And you, it's a, the panel's really cool because you see his eyes just going shut as she's screaming, Harold, Harold, Harold. So she looks up from the dead body, sees all of the uh, zombies surrounding her. And you see her grab the hedge clippers, and she, like, takes this stance over her dead husband, like, all right, you know, you got my husband, you sure as hell aren't going to take me down, you know, like this declaration of I'm about to whoop some ass. Same kind of little twist you're talking about with yours. Not quite as dramatic, <laughs> but as she's sitting there giving their, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you all down and stuff, her husband turns to a zombie, comes up behind her and just <clears throat> chomps right into her, takes her down and just eats her. Nice. And that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Uh, there were some other good comics in here. What was the one? The uh, Samurai Funk Soul Samurai or something yes. like that? Wasn't a bit of, uh, of dialogue in it. You just see this. It's like post-apocalypse zombie. Yeah. Uh, survival, like, I guess. And just this dude with headphones in and a ninja sword. Killing I love zombies. how his other weapon was the like the cord for his headphones. That yeah. He would just like whip it back and forth. and Oh, with that sword? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That I was, forgot about that. Yeah, the sword and the cord. It was his two weapons. <laughs> that could be a song. The sword and the cord. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few comics you can check out if you head over to MadeusComics.BigCartel.com. Or, uh, again, check them out on Twitter at Medias Comics. And, again, we'll have links up on our website and on Twitter for that. All right. So with that all behind us and no guests to talk to this week, we're going to play some verses. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this all day. Yeah, We've only played here. it once. And then we, we had who? We had Spider-Man 2099 versus The Blob from X-Men. Yeah, yep. And Supergirl versus... Uh, absorbing, absorbing man, man. Yeah. so yeah they they were kind of oh, they were okay conversations but in a lot of the test runs we had some awesome <laughs> conversations so i'm hoping tonight we yield better conversations so didn't we get rid of the supers uh i got rid of a lot and added a lot of cool people here okay. so it ought to be a more interesting conversation and again for you people at home who don't know how this is played we have a chart like about 11 by 17 chart laid out here with a bunch of heroes and villains across pop culture we're going to roll two dice on Whatever two characters they land on, we're going to have a conversation about if they were to battle. And if the scales are slanted in one's way, like Superman versus, <laughs> what, uh, Scarface, say, from Batman you were just talking about <laughs> earlier, uh, then we'll talk about what Scarface could do to, in fact, beat Superman. So, Jack, you want to roll your dice first? Here we go. Who's that? Oh, my God. I'm already stoked. Who is that? Chucky. Oh, <laughs> No way. You have Chucky. Oh, man. The killer doll. I, I am already excited. I don't even care who else we get. Please, not a super. Please, not a super. Here we go. Beast. Oh, man. Chucky versus Beast. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not slanted versus one way at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, all right. Where do we even start with the Beast <laughs> Beast versus Chucky from Child's Play? What's Beast? He's strong. He can... He's a beast. Bounce. No, does He doesn't have, like, extraordinary healing powers or anything like Logan mm. does, or does no. he? Uh-uh. 
So he's that's just it. He can get big and ferocious, and uh, it's like a doll he taking can, on a gorilla, more or less. Oh yeah, yeah. He can jump, jump, and hang upside down, like Strength. a bat type. Yeah, and he's strong. Now a lot of Chucky's victims succumb to their because they're stupid. I mean, you know, they they kind of walk yeah. into these traps or don't. They're not cautious enough. So that's one thing I was thinking that Beast probably has on any of Chucky's victims is Beast is smart. Beast is very smart, and Chucky's uh, not Beast smart, but he's smart. <laughs> yeah, smart enough, I think. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. He's just a psychotic <laughs> killer. I'm just trying to find some ground for Chucky to stand on here. The thing Chucky has going for him is no matter how many times you kill him, he keeps coming back. So Beast might win that first round, might win the second round, even the third. But how many times have we seen Chucky come back to life? Mm-hmm. If he just can sink that knife into him one good time... I keep, I probably keep thinking uh, one way, he could, if he could sneak up on Beast and take that knife and cut across his Achilles heels, oh, yeah. Beast wouldn't be jumping around or hanging from nothing. He'd yeah, be, but the Beast, is, he's got animal-like hearing, you know. <laughs> would he be able to sneak up on him? I don't know. That's what I've been wondering. If he, mm. I don't know if Beast would be smart enough not to put himself in any kind of situation where he'd be able to hide to get to that area. I think what, what it comes down to with this fight are uh, moral ethics. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think Beast would immediately try to kill him. He'd probably try to be, you know, finding a solution for him or something, trying to at least get him put in jail or something. I don't see the X Men as uh, the killing type. Catch him to figure him out. How he's a doll that's alive. Right, right, exactly. Where Chucky's just in it for some blood. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Shoot, I almost think that Beast would have some kind of trap set up to to catch Chucky and then. There'd be no way for Chucky yeah, and he'd to get be out. able to hear him a mile away. But I would think, though, again with Chucky's ability to keep coming back, that he would eventually learn how to take him out on one of his trips back from the dead. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so man, I don't know. That's kind of a hard one to keep rolling there. Right, and Chucky would come in and rescue him. Oh yeah, let him out. Then, then the seed of Chucky, no. a little shit face. <laughs> man, what a bad movie! What a bad movie. So what do you say on that one? Beast, Beast may win. Chucky may just keep coming back. And I think Beast would win the first many rounds. But I think you know, again, Chucky keeps coming back from the dead. He's going to figure the, it out eventually yeah. and figure out a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to go, Chucky. He'd end up getting a bunch of uh, what military school kids to shoot him. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would be. The danger room, Chucky would figure out a way to get the danger room to while uh, the Beast is trying maybe practicing or something like that. Or that or if Beast is doing some lab experiments, Chucky would screw it up somehow where it could end up blowing up in his face. And Yeah, I think Chucky would I do think, it. Yeah, I think Chucky would end up winning. Yeah. Set him on fire. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Just big blue puff. Yeah. What would be the 80s movie catch line before he sets him on fire, I wonder? Oh, man. That'd be... I got something on the tip of my tongue. I can't think it. I just I keep thinking the, the hottest fire burns blue or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Yep. That's, it. <laughs> Chucky won. Chucky won. All right. And I'm sure there's people at home thinking, no fucking way. Yeah. So, yeah, feel free to uh, write us uh, via Twitter on the on the website. Let us know. You know, tell us why. No way. We got some more time. Let's do another round. Right. Go ahead. Is that Kylo? Oh my God! You got Kylo Ren. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. It's got to be someone tough. Yeah. What was that? Oh, it's uh, Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. What? Yeah. <laughs> Kylo. <laughs> All right. So. Are we sticking with that? Or are we going to re-roll? We can't. I don't know. I don't know a lot about The Walking Dead, but well, Rick Grimes' advantage is his resolve. I mean, he obviously <laughs> doesn't have any superpowers, but he's he's a situation. He's a person that can get himself out of situations, and he's just an all-around hard ass. I think he doesn't let his ego get to him. Where Kylo is nothing but pure That's, ego. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. What are you thinking? You want to go He's, with it or re-roll? Uh, we might have to re-roll because, I don't know, I, I don't think he could get past the Force. No. There'd be, <laughs> there'd be no way. Kylo wins. Uh, yeah. Let's do another one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so are we re-rolling both or are we going to stick with Kylo and just choose someone we'll else? We'll re-roll both. Okay, go ahead. Ooh, Bane. 
We got Ooh. Bane, another powerhouse. I was born in the dark. <laughs> Molded by it. You merely adopted it. Mr. T. <laughs> yes! Oh. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is where the show gets good. Okay. Bane versus Mr. Mr. T. I am down with that. All right. So, where do we begin? Mr. T all around, as in the boxer. What What was his name? In, uh... Now, let me, let me first say this. When I have Mr. T on this chart, I have in my thoughts, if we were to ever land on Mr. T, we're considering the A-team here. Okay. That's so, what I was wondering, like, either boxing from the Rocky or is B.A. Oh, we're talking B.A. Okay. We're talking B.A. Baracus here. <laughs> okay, so advantages. They're both strong. They're both yeah. super tough. Yep. Bane's super advantage. He can hit his button and roid the hell yeah, out yeah, and become super, super strong. Super strong. Mr. T's advantage, that van. That he's got, van. No, he's <laughs> got that van. <laughs> no, but he's got the A-team. He's got Hannibal Smith on his side. Ooh, this is going to be a the good Mad one. Mad Dog Murdoch on his side, too. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, I'm wondering how this would play out. So, typically an A-team episode starts with some lowly victim calling, finding the A-team. Please come help us. What, what, what's what's my, Bane doing? My uncle has kidnapped <laughs> He's a scientist, and Bane has kidnapped him. Okay. I need the A-team to help me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they, they, as they always do, they have their first tiff with their bad guy. Mm-hmm. They get scrambled to the side, come up with a plan, and then at the end of the episode, win it over. I think without even going farther in this conversation, it's safe to say the A-team's going to win because I love it when a plan comes together. They always, <laughs> they always have a plan. Yeah. And... One thing that always irritated me when Batman fought Bane, it was like the first few times, okay, cool, I get it. You know, he, he pulled the tube off the back of his head or he cut the line from his from the device on his wrist. It's right. always linked back to that device. Yeah. I'm like, why doesn't Batman in these later battles just start there? It's like, oh, I'm going to kill you, Batman. You know. <laughs> shut you down before he even starts. <laughs> right, right. And it, so that always irritated me. But I think it would become pretty apparent to the A-team are just masters at figuring out problems to just to pull that damn tube. What do you think? Hannibal would somehow work his way with his disguises into Bane's area to find out where his weak spot was, so then they would devise that plan. It would all come together. Yeah. They would break in, pop his tubes, and you, you save rem- so-and-so's uncle. You remember the, the, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the 18 fight scenes like when They'd punch somebody and then throw them, and then the camera's like on the ground facing straight up, and you see someone slow motion just diving in the air oh, over yeah. it. Imagine <laughs> that fight scene with Bane happening. <laughs> but they'd eventually have to get some kind of a vehicle and tear down a bunch of garbage cans and make some armored makeshift up. armored Herkimer battle station or whatever, and you know, have a battle with him before they finally cut the tube mm-hmm. somehow. Definitely the 18. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's the no way. There's, they couldn't lose. Man, I'd love to see that episode, wouldn't you? That'd be hilarious. If I can get a Bane figure, I've got the A-Team figures behind me. Like a stop, stop motion. <laughs> Bane versus the A-Team. <laughs> be better than Boy George being on the A-Team, for Christ's sakes, right? Yeah. yeah and that actually happened. Sales, yeah. That actually happened, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. You want to do one more or do you want to just end it? No, I think we're good. We'll save some more. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. 18. That was a good one. <laughs> and Mr. Chucky, T. too. Yeah. That was another one. Those were two of my favorites right there. Yep. I don't know. I'm, it could go either way, really, on Beast and Chucky, but A teams winning against Bane. I still think Chucky got Beast. Think so? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, until next time, what do we have on the website, Jack? Go to weekendairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, uh, check out some of our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Check out our YouTube page. Uh, you can listen to the episode there and uh, check out some panels, some con coverage we've done, all kinds mm-hmm. of cool stuff on there. Con times are coming up, so there'll be more soon. Oh, yeah. And also, it is time to announce the winner for the Here's My Can, or Show Us Your Cans contest, excuse yes. me. It was hashtag Here's My Can. And uh, I would say it's probably one of the biggest responses uh, from a contest we've done thus far. Not to say it was a big response, but uh, <laughs> it was exciting to see the, the few pictures we got where people were putting the cans around. So, the winner this week is, Jack, do you want to read it? We'll put a drum roll in here. 
winner is Mason Radcliffe from Manitoba, Canada. So congratulations, Mason. Uh, we'll be getting into contact with you and uh, send us your mailing address and we'll uh, get you uh, your comics, stickers, and your free shirt. T-shirt size, too. Oh, yeah. Though I think we've only got one size. Don't we? There's two sizes. There's two? Yeah, there's, okay. I think, I'm pretty sure there's large and medium. Okay, good. Good. Let's hope he's a larger medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, be sure to stick around here at the end of the episode. We have another song from the band Hail Sagan called The Mirror. This is a kick-ass band we uh, stumbled across on Twitter, and I've been thoroughly enjoying. What about oh, you, yeah, Jack? There, I love them. Led by the gorgeous Sagan Emery and her band called The Nothing, which is a bunch of uh, band. Uh, all the band members are wearing like like masks like and masks. Yeah, that's it. pretty cool. But uh, check them out on iTunes uh, or on uh, HailSaganOfficial.com, or you can find them on Twitter at HailSaganBand, and we'll be uh, retweeting all that stuff and have that on the website as well. So I think that about does it this week, unless you have anything. They were refreshing sound from some of the stuff that's out there lately. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Brooke was watching one of those music award shows the other day, and I can't even believe mm. what kind of music's out there. Thank God there's bands like Hail yes. Sagan. So, yeah, again, stick around and listen to this uh, song again called The Mirror. But until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. Thanks for listening, everyone.
can't find my dad. Hang on there, little Jimmy. Hey, it's Alpine. While you're waiting on your negligent parents to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on CandarePodcast.com? Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! Here we go. No one hits nobody. And like, don't know how the, excuse me, guess highlights ghost. Uh, you can see. <laughs> what the hell is that noise? I kept thinking what the fuck is going on. I don't. And the cat taking the dice. She's obsessed with dice. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult? Struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, And this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. 